0: everyone, and welcome to episode 234 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate podcast network. Uh, We are sitting here recording this, the whole gang back together, just as the Brewers are hopefully trying to close out a series win in Philadelphia. So we're all kind of half watching Josh Hader work this (laughs) night while we get this started. Uh, Fingers crossed. Uh, It's been at least a quick game. Lots of lots of good pitching. Let's just put it that way, Uh, but kind of emblematic of the majors so far this year. But
1: yeah, if you wanted a game to encapsulate what Major League Baseball is in 2022 so far, this is your game. This is perfect. Oh no,
2: guys, we we got. Um, got, Oh no! Did we just jinx it just by starting this? No, 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 no. We have a tantrum. Oh, Schwarber, Angel, um, Angel, rung up Schwarber on a a not a strike. Oh my! It's the second
0: time he's done this in the game, and he's. Just oh living. man, this is fantastic! Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, rough. smash. He went full
2: Hulk on that bat too. That was in- intense. Okay. This is a bad so- Angel game. Not that I, I know that's not new, but um, I was, I've been, I've been keeping track of the the ump scores lately, and he's had a couple good ones in a row. But man, he has been just a disaster no. tonight. This I'm is classic look-
0: Angel. Look forward to this one because Eric Lauer got the um, LeVon Hernandez in the 1997 NLCS strike zone on this one. And, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, worked in the Brewers' benefit, but uh, not so much Kyle Schwarber. I was wondering who's going to get tossed first between Harper and Schwarber, but Harper's wearing the mic for ESPN, so I don't think he was ever going to uh, go too far. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> his face just shaking his head. I mean, this is... Yeah, we could talk more about this, but this Sunday night strike sound is insane. Like, both teams have just been... You know, that
1: pitch wasn't as bad as I thought initially. Like, it's that's not a strike and shouldn't be a strike. (laughs) No, it shouldn't. And also, the one place he hasn't been calling... Pitches is low because Devin Williams didn't get that call. So, like, no, that's that's the oh part where you're like,
0: what is going on here? And
1: I do this think this is
0: a memeable tantrum by Schwarber. This yeah, is amazing. It's good. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I do think that there's something going on with the strike zone in terms of the low strikes. We noticed that the first weekend of the season where you yeah. couldn't get a low strike at all, and that is an area where uh pitchers have been able to throw that pitch down there and there's very little risk in terms of that ball you know a hitter doing anything with it and so baseball probably could stand to raise the strike zone some so that pitchers yeah. can't get that low strike where hitters really can't do anything with that pitch but there needs to be more transparency in all this we have we have so much about the strike zone and pitch <laughs> the balls and all that <laughs> stuff coming up we're getting
0: ahead of ourselves but yeah, yeah. this is uh like there was the Jim Wolf game too, or that mm-hmm. was that was odd. Um, I know we've been like kind of trading the ump scores back and forth too, and we had that. What was it? The, the Marlins and the Cardinals, where the the oh, umpire cost. Tom Hallian, Tom Hallian, a, accounted for like two plus runs <laughs> difference yeah. in the Cardinals' favor in a game the Cardinals won two to nothing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was about oh, two and a half
1: runs towards the Cardinals' favor in a game yep. that they won two nothing.
0: Oh, the dead ball just uh just the dead ball saved the brewers. Yep. Alec popped lined <laughs> out to the track to end. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, now that we got that out of the way, we're we're less distracted. I guess we can kind of get started with everything. Whatever. That was guys? awesome. We yeah, should start everyone yeah. with a brawl. Um Yeah, yeah. It's very rare we get the, the the live podcast experience here for this one. So, uh that that was fun, but uh yeah, in case you couldn't tell through the first, you know, five minutes of us ch- chattering through this game, uh, whole gang's back. Uh big thanks to to Steve for stepping in for me last week. Uh, so I could drive up to the lacrosse area, visit some family over the holiday weekend. And uh, you guys held down the fort, although Paul's trying to hang in with, with a shaky voice this week and it's draft yeah. week. So I, I know you're kind of maybe on a pitch count to try to preserve that voice this week.
2: Yeah. I, um, uh- so I, uh, my whole family had COVID, except me. I have not tested positive for COVID. And I've taken a lot of COVID tests now. But I totally have COVID. Like, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was around people with COVID. I have all the symptoms of people with COVID. And I don't know why I'm not showing up on the test for having COVID. But, yeah, my voice sucks. So And I feel, feel better today, actually. Yesterday was awful. But rounding into form, hopefully it'll be okay by the, the time I have to talk about football like 10 times this week, too. But, yeah. Ugh. It's a big week on
0: the Packers podcast. So. Oh yeah, big time. Oh, can't wait for them to let us down with an edge rusher and an offensive lineman in the first round.
2: It's going to happen. You can put money on it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of of, of that and everything else, uh, before we get... Back to the Brewers and, and a pretty solid start now, 10 and 6 to start the year. A reminder: you can become a patron by signing up for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Help us out. Help help uh Packers uh Paul's Packers Podcast out. As Easy well. for you to say. Yeah. No, this is gonna be uh, an interesting show, guys. Let me say that. Uh a little rusty. But uh obviously two bucks a month. You get question priority both here on this podcast as well as the reporting as eligible packers podcast. I imagine with the draft coming up, uh, plenty to ask questions about either before and at or after. So this would be a good time to sign up for that as well. Reminder five bucks a month gets you the extra content, whether it's the reporting as eligible mini pods or the minor league extra podcast on the brewer side with Ryan and James Anderson from rotowire. So be sure to check that out as well. All right. So as we kind of mentioned, uh, Sunday night's game with the Brewers kind of emblematic of, of I guess the Brewers uh, start to the season just kind of scraping together a run here or there to try to uh, make things happen, even <laughs> though, you know, the home runs have not been there outside of Rowdy Tellez, uh, because just as we all figured, Rowdy is the only one who can hit home runs for the Brewers so far this year. Uh, but, you know, they, they've been doing enough, I guess, is, is a way to look at it. it. It hasn't always been pretty, but the pitching's been really, really good outside of that first week. And, you know, just able to kind of scrape runs together in other ways. So I guess, you know, that might be a positive considering we've always uh, talked about whether or not the birds are too reliant on home runs and, and stuff. And they may still be. We got a question about that. But I guess, uh, Ryan, first of all, just kind of impressions over the last week. I mean, hard to argue with banking wins in April. But it, are you still kind of maybe worried about where this offense is right now?
1: I mean, I'm worried where everybody's offense is right yeah. now. Because we're True. just in, a like, a no-offense time in baseball. We were talking about this right before we started. Coming into uh, play on Sunday, the league OPS was 673.
2: That's just, horrible. Just it's horrible. It's awful. It's so bad. Christian
0: Yelich is an above-average offensive player, possibly. Not quite. Average or above-average. But, you know, like, that's... Everybody complaining about Christian Yelich, that's how bad everybody else has been this year. Think of it that way. Yeah, it's
1: really just... Uh, it's bad, and I think it's bad on a number of fronts. I think some of it will get better, but uh, and, and some of it's going to get better for the Brewers. The Brewers are undoubtedly playing well below their proven levels uh, sort of across the board here. You look up and down the lineup, and I actually did this as an exercise for a friend earlier in the week, and it was like, if you look, there was only one guy in the regular daily lineup who had a batting average above what he had last year, and that was Rowdy. Everybody else was below. Many were well, well below what they had in the year before, and those batting averages then, though not the most important st- a statistic, it then drags everything else down with it. So it the, the drags your on-base percentage down, drags your slugging down with it, and guys are having trouble hitting the ball hard, which we'll get into in a little while, but... I don't know how much of this. Like, I think we can safely say the Brewers' offense has not been good so far. That that is safe to say. But exactly how bad they've been is so context dependent, and it's hard to sort out from you know what the rest of the league has been and what everybody else is dealing with, and what the Brewers' deficiencies themselves are. That I I just I think that we have to wait. We're going to have to wait even longer than we normally do to to you'd be able to say here and I think obviously some of this is the fact that everybody's still getting up to speed like pitchers are usually ahead of hitters at this point in the spring and hitters tend to warm up after what you know the first 20 to 30 games you start to see hitters really sort of clicking in well they started late with spring training so they're even further behind that this year than where they normally would be and I think we're just we haven't seen guys getting the reps yet to feel comfortable in the, the batter's box and pitchers are again, I heard on effectively wild this week, the average velocity is up again. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's not like things are getting any better on that front. So
2: yeah, I think I, I I've felt bad about the Brewers offense the entire season so far, but I feel less bad about it this week because the rest of the league is so terrible too. And Every piece of news or statistic that comes out is just about how how hard it is to play offense and how pitiful everybody's offense is so far this year. Like we have early evidence that the ball is unjuiced, which is not something you want when pitching velocities are at an all time high and people had short spring training. Um, and like everything's been working against pitchers, and it's not good for baseball. Like baseball's been ugly this year, kind of across the board. Uh, we were talking before the show that the only team. In, in all of baseball that's sort of been any good offensively is the Cubs and that is almost entirely based on one game where they scored 21 runs yeah. um, it, it's, like it's not it's not real it's just that they got Pittsburgh on a day with the wind was blowing out so um, it's pathetic it's bad baseball's gonna I mean maybe it'll it'll get better I'm sure but um, I think we're getting to the level where they actually have to contemplate serious changes I've always been against things like restricting the shift um, I've been a little more uh into changing the mound and things like that, but like, I think they got to do something. It's too hard to play offense now, pitching's too good. Um, uh, people go into pitching labs and build crazy 28 inch horizontal movement sliders that are completely unhittable routinely, and hitters have no chance right now. It's, it's, it's not a good situation, they got to fix that.
1: Well, and there's a new pitch sweeping baseball, the sweeper,
2: like <laughs> that thing is right. it is creating
1: all kinds of issues now there's some evidence that maybe it's not the best for pitchers considering the guy who was throwing it the most andrew heaney is now broken uh <laughs> so like we'll see if this well, is something that's yeah. like he's
0: been broken a lot too in his career and true. so i mean there's that <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true <laughs> but hopefully. yeah
0: but By yeah the, i mean
1: yeah there's just, just every advantages to the pitchers at this point yeah. and that's both in the short term right now in this moment and just also in this like era that we're in right now. And really, this kind of stems from the end of the steroid era. The only thing that propped up offense in the so it, there was a steady downward trend from about 2008, 2009 down to about 2015, where offense just sagged and sagged and sagged. Pitching got better and better and better. And then the thing that turned it around was actually the juice baseball. Yep. We had intermittently juiced baseballs from like 20 second half of 2015 until like 2019 was like the the apex of it. Right. And that was sort of what propped up the offense. And people were pointing this out at the time. They're like, really? Yes. Scoring in baseball is back up and that's good. But it's really just because of the home runs. Everything else is still still going down like the batting averages are going down. Balls and play are going down. Strikeouts are way up. Everything was trending negatively for offense except for the home runs. And people were, you know, rightly kind of annoyed at how easy and cheap a lot of those home runs were to get. And, but, but now we see when you take that away, it's just a nightmare for the game. Like this is becoming pretty unwatchable. And, uh, I know Joe Sheehan has his faults, but he has pointed out, and I think rightly so, that the, uh, the, what has, trended in baseball over decades is people come to ballparks when offense is up and when offense goes down baseball attendance sags yep and this has been a trend throughout baseball history and i think we're kind of uh, probably seeing it yet again here
0: all right well on that note our first patreon question this week comes from adam post and he's asking you know something that we already kind of referenced here He says, since the Brewers' offense tends to be reliant on home runs, have they been particularly affected by the unjuiced ball that appears to be getting used this season? Uh, So, yeah, Paul, you know, we noticed even Sunday night's game, uh, Tyrone Taylor just ripped one that was kind of just off the fencing there in Philadelphia, which normally would have been a home run. And Hunter Renfro hit a home run earlier in the weekend that would have been a few rows deep, but just barely cleared the wall. So I think we can... Even anecdotally, kind of see this happening, right?
2: Yeah, but it hasn't really hurt the Brewers more than anybody else. the The problem league wide is that it's so hard to string hits together, and that's not a Brewer problem. That's an everybody problem, like, uh, other than the Cubs in that one game. So, um, be, like teams this year are going to live in all going to live and die on how many home runs they can hit. You can't with the shift and with the number of strikeouts that occur in a game as a percentage of total plate appearances. You can't build an offense around stringing hits together. It's impossible. And, uh, yeah, it's going to hurt every team, including the Brewers, that they can't just tank easy home runs. But that's how you score. There is not another way to score. You have to work walks and hit bombs, and even more so now with the dead ball. Because if you try and string hits together, all you're going to do is make games fast. Um, that's it. Uh, baseball getting their one, their one wish here. Games are faster than they've ever been before. Um, they're, they got that one.
1: Yeah, monkey spa curls, right? Yep. Yeah, and I want to echo all that because this isn't a Brewers thing. This isn't the Brewers being reliant on home runs. This is everybody. And uh, frankly, everybody's reliant on home runs and they're not hitting them. So therefore, there's just not a lot of scoring going on. And that is definitely a MLB problem. And they're going to have to do something about this. And I, I don't know exactly what that is and what the time frame they're going to need to act is. But... If we give them a little bit of credit, and this is very dangerous because you never want to give Rob Manford no, man, and MLB yeah. credit for anything, no, but don't. if they can kind of prove this, if they can kind of prove their point here that, hey guys, all you people that were complaining about the juiced baseball being so bad for the game, well, here, you've had your wish. We've unjuiced the baseball. This is what you got. Are you happy with it? No, it sucks. We hate it, you hate it. Okay, so we clearly need to do something different here. We need to, we need to undo some of this we need to change the settings on the humidors i don't even know like they something needs to be done here to 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 juice baseball back up to juice the ball back up i i think it's really the only way because if you're trying to change long-standing behaviors if you're thinking that like we're somehow going to get guys to suddenly take more contact oriented approaches and become better hitters from a contact perspective and spray the ball to all fields and all that stuff If if that is your goal, okay, then you need to give yourself what a minimum of a decade to see that play out. And ain't nobody got that time.
0: Like that's it's just impossible to do against pitching these days, too, you know, when everybody's throwing these gyro sliders and ninety nine miles an hour. It is not easy to go
2: the other way. No, no, it's not. If they don't want you to go the other way, you're not going to go the other way. Uh, people pitch differently when the shift is on for that reason, and it's hard to do. So um, I do think they need to do some drastic. I mean, ev- like 80 percent of baseball fans are freaking engineers. You can you can just <laughs> pull them for ideas. <laughs> engineers and lawyers. <laughs> I was basically
0: say. baseball Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like you can you can figure out the exact amount to move the mound back to get things to like 1987 offense i'm sure that someone can do that calculation rob arthur's probably got it up on a board somewhere like this this is not rockets i mean it's rocket science but we have a bunch of rocket scientists so um but like they need they need to they they need to traditions done like uh, we should not have tradition arguments anymore both leagues have dhs everybody's playing everybody next year um People play on the wrong side of the field routinely. There's ten pitching changes a game. Uh, They should just do whatever the hell they need to to get offense up. Who can object to it? Is there going to be an eighty year old guy like, oh no? Everybody should be able to shift every like. No, no, that's not how this works. So. Um, they need like some big sim- symposium, like when they wrote the Bible or something and get this done.
1: <laughs> a constitutional convention for the game. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah Oh, that. by
2: the way, guys, one thing one thing, I'm keeping an eye on and I think it's worth keeping an eye on for a while. Um, right now, the Baltimore Orioles as a team have four home runs and 10 stolen bases. And I don't know the last time that a team had more stolen bases than home runs. But I'm guessing it's been quite a while. So worth monitoring the situation. Well, and the reason that the Orioles have hit so few home runs is because
1: you literally can't hit a ball out of Camden Yards anymore. You can't. Like, it's too big. Yeah, it's in conjunction with uh with the 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 changes that were made to the ball, the changes they made to that park. Yeah, if I'm like Ryan Mountcastle, one of their one of their right-handed power hitters right now, Ryan Mountcastle, I just feel like, yeah. screw it, like this is this is pointless. What what am I even doing here? Like the way that uh, remember that phil nevin just like in the the, like the second or third year of petco park down in san diego like just was like this is insane like what are we doing here with this ballpark like it is impossible to get a baseball out of here and i think people grumbled too also in uh in queens about the mets new ballpark having some of the same issues and both of those parks ended up moving their fences back in so this seems like a situation where yes you've uh You've accomplished something with it. Like the the <laughs> Orioles pitching is really like spooky good, like frighteningly, weirdly out of nowhere good. All well, of maybe, <laughs> maybe.
0: Well, no, yeah. because it, it goes and beyond that, that means we went down. But yeah, yeah. But
1: I mean, it goes beyond that because they are just uh, it, they've they've taken new approaches and they're doing some things. And it seems like they sort of revolutionarily overhauled everything they were doing overnight. They're doing this weird thing where all they're doing is throwing to the center of the zone, <laughs> which sounds like yeah. Yeah. nobody can hit it. Yeah,
0: well, like in that, in the, this the year, issue. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, in this year, I, it's just not yeah. so
1: bad. Like they're they're just throwing it to the center of the zone, and then they're relying on whatever break or spin or whatever that the pitcher puts on it to take it and do other things with it. Yeah, but it's really worked for them, and we'll see if it continues to work for them. But it's there's some weird stuff going on in baseball man and it's all all the cool stuff that's happening it's all on the pitching side as paul was saying like that's where all the advancements and all the the science is really being done on the hitting side it's really just like i think people are just kind of going okay we need guys with really good hand-eye coordination really good eyes and can smack the hell out of the ball and there doesn't seem to be a lot more than that i know that's probably way underselling it but That that does seem to be, you know, they're just the hitting is way behind the pitching.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even considering that, you know, if we were going with a normal length spring training, we'd only be through like what the first week or so of of the season, it's the hitters are behind even that point right and it's just really hard to watch although it is nice to see eric lauer throw 13 strikeouts while he's suddenly throwing 95 as well uh so there that's probably another example if eric freaking lauer's throwing 95 and
2: above um everybody is so there you go there have been three home runs in in baltimore so far this year josh donaldson has one of them and cedric mullins has two that's insane. <laughs> Tour against the Brewers. Yeah. Yep. Half of, half, of, <laughs> half of the Orioles' home runs have been hit there. Cedric Mullins has hit half of them. So
0: it's insane. It's like part of the reason, too, why I wasn't too worked up about the, the Brewers' overall power stats, right? Because they played a series in that homer proof ballpark and then they play, you know, they started the year in Wrigley when it's 40 degrees and the wind blowing in. There, there are other factors associated with that. But even with. With that being said, uh, not a whole lot of homers being hit across the game. Uh, so that leads us to our second Patreon question comes from Chris Richards saying
2: humidors good for cigars, bad for baseball, Paul. Uh, so maybe I'll say this. I, I don't like all the monkeying with the ball. Like uh, yeah. I know Ryan last week said it's good to have everything be consistent with the ball. And. I would say generally I agree with that sentiment. That does make a lot of sense, but uh, the humidor doesn't exactly seem like it maybe is the most scientific or perhaps the most <laughs> rigorous thing in the world. So th- there's that. Uh, I've there was a pitcher quoted today. I can't remember who it was, claiming you could feel the difference on the seams based yep. on humidor status of the ball. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, they, they don't seem to. be. If they are depressing offense, they should stop that right away, (laughs) Um, because that's that's not good. So I don't know. I actually don't know enough about the science of humidors in baseball to comment one way or the other. But uh, they should they need to change something because it's not great right now. Okay, if the humidors are a problem. Then they need
1: to change the setting on the damn yeah, humidors. Like they do. that's the that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, all it is is a tool to keep the humidity that the ball is being stored at consistent. And so, if you need to make them, I guess, drier, probably to make them go so, further. Yeah, there's been a whole much, conversation a about so, this. This
2: is this is a me problem, but. I feel like Humidor is kind of snuck in here a little bit. I'm sure that there's been lots of Humidor writing at like hardball times and and prospectus and crap like that. I've missed it all. The Rockies just started using one because it, there were too many home runs and then everybody started using them and I, I never saw any definitive writing on what they do or how they should be used or if they're used consistently or if we can detect anything about the balls that are in player. I, now I want all that because uh, I feel like It was just snuck in there, and it could just be a bunch of BS. Um, I don't know
1: if you... So when the Rockies started using it for the first time, I believe was that first time that they actually kind of had a pitching staff that was useful, Um, the group that took them to...
0: Aaron Cooks and... Yeah, that group. The one that took them to the playoffs a
1: couple times in, like, 2007 and 2009, that group, I think that was the first time they introduced the humidor, and it did immediately... Uh, suppress the offense like Coors went from being a a massive outlier as the best offensive park in baseball to being still the best offensive park in baseball but no longer like way out on the tail of the graph if that makes sense so that did work I know that Arizona used to be just a an absolute uh, hitters haven even though the dimensions of that park are massive it's a big big field and uh, guys could just bash the ball around there because, one, it's at elevation somewhat. I think it's about 2,500. But more importantly, it's also just in a desert, and those balls were incredibly dried out. And so the uh, uh, by putting them in the humidor, it added moisture to them. And so the balls stopped flying out, and, and Arizona started playing as a much more neutral park at that point. Uh, and what I was saying, even at the time when this happened, and it was a big issue – I think I brought this up last week too, is like the problem isn't the humidor. The problem is that you like the balls are not being, they're not consistent from place to place. So get them consistent, like put everything in a humidor, figure out what you want that humidity to be. And then that's the humidity. These balls are going to be stored at, and that should be sufficient to keep this in a level playing field. And I have no problem with the idea of monkeying around with the humidity that the balls are stored in just you manipulate it so that it, it 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 fits your agenda for what you're trying to do. And I think right now baseball is trying to suppress home runs because they took so much yeah. flack over the last few years about the quote-unquote juiced ball. So they wanted to stop that. Well, that was the only thing propping up offense. So stop that. Like, don't, don't do that. That's not <laughs> what anybody wants.
0: I mean, I think it would be helpful if the league said, hey – We're trying to do this and be more open about it, you know, instead of just being sneaky little shits about it behind everybody's back, and possibly using different varieties of balls in the middle of the season, and nobody knows what they're gonna pull out, and like that's, I think, part of the issue too, Mm -hmm. and I think where the players are getting frustrated as well. Well, and being a
1: sneaky shit is just sort of what Rob Manfred idles at, right? Like that's his (laughs) his general state of being is just being a sneaky shit. So
0: yep exactly uh it's just the the first thing that comes to mind when you see his face right it, it's just it's, it's yeah. there so he's just
1: going with his strengths James. he's just going with his strengths. yeah
0: you know you, you gotta go with your own strengths you know why should he have to hit against the shift too all <laughs> right uh last uh patreon question on this topic at least comes from brian polakowski asking can we go back to the 2019 baseballs that seemingly had an extra 20 <laughs> feet of pop to them? Amazing how many fly balls are dying on the warning track now. So, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, we we kind of talked about this and uh, all the close calls too. you know, Christian Yelich finally hit his first home run since like September of last year on a Grand Slam. That was a no doubter and then proceeded to kind of put up an O for the rest of the way. But he's had a couple really hard hit balls, too, that I thought might have carried out in previous years paul
2: yeah another problem with the game right now is aesthetically when somebody tanks a ball and it doesn't get out it feels wrong like it feels like somebody was cheated and that's also bad Mm -hmm. but i mean yeah we've been on this for a while they really should do it um i I feel like eventually we're just going to end up with like bigger foul territory and balls with no laces on them and then it'll just be cricket and uh (laughs) we'll just have expansion that way so (laughs)
0: That's that's amazing. Yeah, uh, expand overseas. You know, the, to to London and India and Pakistan and and everywhere else where cricket is huge and and not here. So, what are they? Are they bowlers instead of pitchers? I I guess I need to get up to speed on my cricket link. Yes,
2: yes, they are. They are bowlers. If to bounce the ball before it gets to the wickets. Yeah, okay. and googly. You get to say googly a lot, which I mean, is awesome. Get, get Great googly, googly.
0: moogly. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the, the brewers Go- to develop their bowling lab then. Googly
2: is just a breaking ball. That's all it is. We should actually start using that here. That's something we should import. That's, that's a great that's, idea. That's great. I like yeah. that better
0: than sweeper. It's just a googly, you know? All right. <laughs> it's, I guess uh, on the topic of, of pitching or bowling or, or, you know, whatever method you want to use, Um you know, it, it, this came up in the last couple of weeks as well, too. You know, a lot was made of the new pitch systems that uh, pitchers and catchers can use this year. You know, try to avoid the sign stealing and such. Uh, but it hasn't really seemed to to taken on maybe as much as the league or, or some other people may have hoped. Uh, you know, we, we've we seen the Brewers virtually abandon it. Our, our, our good Twitter friend, Kurt Hogue. Uh, uh, writing about this for JS online, um, basically saying Corbin Burns is really the only one still using it. Um, I know I caught Brandon Woodruff on, you know, a, a pregame radio show early in the year, basically after that first horrendous start saying he, he just couldn't get comfortable with it. So he just said, screw it and ditched it. It seems like most of the guys are kind of just saying, you know, it, it's just messing with our rhythm too much and, and we just can't use it. So I guess... <laughs> Uh, Paul, does that change, I guess, how we look at pitch or is it just a nice thing to have around, even though not everybody's yes necessarily using it?
2: I think that they're being smart and that there's no reason. I mean, stealing signs is only a problem if there's a guy in place to steal signs. Uh, I mean, uh, yes, we have had the guys peeking over fences and cameras in center field and crap like that. I feel like that's harder to pull off now because people are looking for it, especially post Astros scandal. Um, but it, I mean, nobody's ever on second base, so can't, can't steal signs <laughs> also <that's> true. <laughs> there's no that's runners in scoring position. And I so do weird. think, uh, it, it, the way that it, it's described and how it's used, it does seem to be about as simple as it can be, but it is still kind of overly fussy. Um, there's a lot of thinking uh, that has to go to it. I suspect with practice, like, you know, if you started doing using it, to, like you do like play a video game, you'd get good at it really quickly. But uh, that's a lot of practice with a very boring thing, and everybody's already used to just signing it. It's not that big a deal. So I suspect people will keep using it uh, when they do have to disguise, when they when they think people are looking in in high-leverage situations. But that you don't need to use it unless that's happening. That's it.
1: It's going to become more and more common over time. I think that we saw in this initial rush where so many people were using it early on and then like didn't feel comfortable with it or at least weren't ready for it yet you will see as the season gets going as we wear into this and as you know how this thing this stuff always goes there were rumors will start to crop up people will start to say it sure seems like they know what pitch is coming when they're playing at home versus when they're on the road and as things like that start to crop up you're going to see pitchers go you know what i'm i'm going to drag this thing back out i may have like Brandon Woodruff if you see him start to use it again you'll know that like there are rumors that, you know, he he's in a place where uh, signs are potentially being stolen. And so we're going to see it come back. And I think as guys have more time with it, as they spend more time with it, maybe in the offseason, as they spend more time with it in spring training games, as they spend more time with it for teams that are out of it down the stretch in games that don't matter, they start to experiment with it. And as younger guys come up who maybe are a little bit more comfortable with uh Technology, you know, invading literally every aspect of their lives, you'll see it more from that perspective too. So I think it's it's coming, but there's no need for it to have to be in place right away, for it to be like become just sort of universally used right away. That doesn't need to happen. It just, it, I suspect, we're going to see it slowly but surely become you know part of the fabric of the game.
0: Yeah, I just think it's kind of interesting to see. Um, how how this rollout has gone. And obviously there are some people who really like it. Like I know Brent Suter was saying as somebody who likes to pitch fast, he he likes having the signal even before he steps on the rubber and that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, other guys too, it, it's just kind of like a flow thing, right? Um, yeah. A lot of guys are, are just so rhythm based and, you know, baseball players notoriously picky when it comes to their routines and everything. But yeah, I think you guys are right. Once you know, we we get a couple years into this thing and the technologies may be fine-tuned. We could see it kind of uh, be more widely adopted as well. But uh, just kind of an interesting... Thing to read about how how we, the opinions vary so much too. So I just thought that was interesting and wanted to bring it up. I guess on the topic of pitching, we'll we'll turn to the other Patreon questions now. Orion, your friend Jay Google asking, were you surprised we didn't see Devin Williams or Josh Hader on Friday night when the Brewers had the lead? So of course that's the, the one that the Brewers kind of let get away there with Ashby on the mound. But um, also just a lot of BS falling in against Ashley. It's hard to uh, get too upset about what was it like four or five straight hits with exit velocities of like 85. It, it was painful to watch one of the few times teams have been able to string hits together, but uh, Ryan, were you surprised to see council kind of stick with Ashby in that situation or um, avoid using Williams and Hader basically every time like that?
1: Uh, I'm going to have to defer on this one. Cause I didn't see this game. This was, I was at a play on Friday night seeing, uh, ah. yeah, I was, I was seeing the musical adaptation of Raisin in the sun, which I did not know going in when I was going to see, I thought I was seeing Raisin in the sun. So uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was, well. not, I, I brought this up and it like, it was not, what i was worried it was going to be once i realized oh i'm seeing a musical of this i was worried it was going to be like a streetcar named marge and i oh it was it was not that bad it was not it was not that but it did make it all a little too happy so whatever anyway uh, i i saw that it was boxburger i'm glad now that i did miss this game though because watching dinks and dunks off of anybody that i like like ashby yeah just drives me insane so i'm glad i didn't see it but i have to defer
2: (laughs) yeah probably best that you didn't see it right yeah and bottom line is like they can't put out williams and hater every single day especially if they play a close game every single day which they do they have to occasionally count on other guys to get it home and it was it was quite i mean flukes happen and it it looks worse when they happen to your non-closer and yes if haters in there People don't make contact often that much, although they did tonight, um, and and maybe it gets done. But uh, you know, it's just one of those things that happens. It wasn't that bad, you, and you can't do it every night. Like you'll break your your guys. You, you have to occasionally throw the fourth and fifth best relievers out there to try and get the, the job done, and it hurts you. But it's a long season. You can't just play for that win every night if it's going to screw up your team.
1: Well, and frankly, when you say like the fourth and fifth best relievers. The Brewers are quite blessed on this to have so many good relievers that they can turn to where you're not really looking at yeah nobody who's bad is taking the ball in a in a a meaningful situation this year. And maybe we'll see as the offense starts to perk up a little bit because I bet you your Yandel Gustave's of the world are being propped up by the the poor offense in general. But I mean, it certainly looks like Trevor Gott and his eight strikeouts and no walks in five and two-thirds innings he has discovered something. And it's not like the Brewers got him from nowhere. He came from the Giants. They know what they're doing, too. So I think that uh, you have to just sort of say that uh, the way that pitching is now, the way that it, it has to be used, yes, you're, you're not always going to be able to use your best guys and stack them up. And that's fine.
0: Well, right. And you've, you know, you got a young pitcher like Ashby, too. You want to make sure that he can possibly handle those scenarios down the road, right? And the only way you figure that out is if you let him try it every once in a while. So there's that. And then there's the fact that Devin Williams hasn't necessarily been automatic this year. He's been much better lately, of course. I think. Sunday night was what is third or fourth straight scoreless outing so there's that but yeah you just can't use those guys every night especially when we've seen how they kind of can wear down and and lose effectiveness if they're used too much as well so Mm -hmm. uh, not not too surprised there especially you know a first game of a weekend series and you've got another long string of games coming up here too so uh Yeah, not too surprising. And you got to make sure that other guys get those opportunities as well. All right. Next question comes from Steve DeRosier asking, uh, May 1st is right around the corner. That's, of course, the date where rosters get trimmed down. So Steve is asking, who do the Brewers move off the active roster on that date? Also, who do they move when Urias is eventually activated? So uh, it sounds like we might be a little ways off yet from Luis Urias returning to the Major League roster. He's he's starting re- minor league rehab work, but uh, could still be quite a bit of time before they're confident in that uh, injury being totally healed. But. Uh, May first, Ryan, probably the the first thing to come up. So I guess who do you trim off the roster? Is it somebody like Gustave, one of those arms, or who are you thinking? Yeah, Gustave
1: stands out as being the guy who can probably uh, easiest <laughs> easiest to let go and just <laughs> send him on down. Urena Urania? also, yeah. yeah Urania, I mean, yeah. though, I think you can keep Gustave on the roster. I, I believe he has options, so that probably makes it easier to uh, to to move him. Um, Hobie Milner. I think it is worth pointing out here that the Brewers have used 28 men this entire year. They haven't sent anybody up and anybody down at all.
0: That's kind of surprising to me. It is honestly. shocking, actually. This is, is not how the
1: Brewers normally act under David Stern at shocking. all. shocking.
0: Especially since the the new options rule doesn't apply during this period, right? Yep. You would have thought that they'd be a little bit more active on that. But,
1: but they yeah, haven't had I- any reason to. I mean, nobody's gotten hurt. And they have... Well, nobody's gotten hurt since the start of the season. And performances have generally been good on the pitching side. The guys that you would you'd be shuffling in and out would be relievers because you've had a disaster. And, well, the fact that they have 28 man roster means that they need to do that less and they really haven't had the disasters. So there's just not been a, a real driving purpose for them to do that.
0: Yeah, I guess, Paul, were those the two you were thinking to to trim down, or anybody else?
2: Yeah, they were the two, and uh, I mean, Gustave and Irina, not good, I don't think, um, easy to let go of, uh, although um, I think answering the question that way is punting a little bit, especially when, when Urias does come back, and I'm happy to do that, because a lot of the normal sort of uh, position player candidates to be sent down um, have been some of the better performing ones, so um, I don't when they have to add offense and not give up pitching, I'm not sure how that's going to break right now. Um, but, uh, you know, these things also tend to work themselves out with just IL stints and, and whatnot. So maybe it even won't come to anything. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's my answer. Gustave can go whenever he wants to go, as far as I'm concerned. I hate watching him pitch.
0: <laughs> he's been fine, but, yeah, he's he's not as exciting as the others, right? Yeah, if you
1: look uh, a little bit here at the roster in general, I'm wondering, does Jace Peterson go when Urias comes back?
2: Does yeah. he have an
1: option is the question. I'm trying to find that. I'm down. not sure.
2: I don't think, does he? I would be surprised. He's, he's 32 years he's old. How could he have options? He's quite options? old and has played a lot of professional baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, he
0: hasn't really necessarily performed up no, to he's, the has been the bad of base Jace. Thing that you've expected, although he yep. did spark the rally Sunday night. But yeah, Bros, Brasso has been actually pretty solid.
1: Yeah, and Hira has been one of the better hitters on the team so far. Yes, yes. So it's and that's not a very high bar, but I mean the man has a 117 OPS plus. So you know, I'd hate to kick him to the curb at this point. <laughs>
0: I guess the good news on on that part of the question is the brewers have about three weeks to figure that out and like paul said (laughs) those things can sometimes figure themselves out as well um all right speaking of urias chris richards has our next question asking craig council says urias will need at least seven and perhaps as many as 10 games in the minors before he is ready to join the brewers given the kind of injury he sustained and his lack of spring training what do you think are reasonable expectations for him this season My guess is that he won't resemble the player he was last season for at least a month into his return, and that quad injury may linger all season, as those things seem to do in Mm -hmm. other players. So, Paul, let's start with you. I guess, uh, are you worried about that kind of hampering him or kind of stunting any development that we might have seen?
2: I'm not worried about it stunting development. Um, I am worried about it having a substantial impact on his offensive production, especially because... Like As Ryan so often likes to point out, Lewis Urias led the team in home runs last year at 23 home runs. Um, I, I kind of wonder if losing just a hair of power plus playing in this offensive environment kind of robs him of offensive usefulness generally. Maybe not. He's a good contact hitter. Um, but uh, I, I feel like a lot of the 23 were not just out-and-out bombs, and I, I do kind of wonder true. if he might be impacted a little bit more by losing you know 10 to 15 feet off of every fly ball than your average player would compared to what he put up last year um, injuries don't help that so um, I think he is a good offensive player I think that this is maybe not the season to be the kind of offensive player that he is and that's my all those things together I, I have a worry that he, he may have sort of a harsh uh, reality waiting for him and a bit of a confidence hit when he gets back into things so um, I think the race is good, but I think this could be tough for him, and I hope that he just pops right back, and he hits a ton of doubles, and is still awesome, but uh, if he struggles at first, I won't be surprised at all.
1: Yeah, I echo all of that. I think that we're seeing how long it takes guys to get going, and he got shut down on the second day of camp, and has now been sitting and not doing much of anything for a while, and... It's hard when you have that kind of an injury that limits your ability to be active. Um it just, you know, it it'll make you sluggish for a while and maybe maybe he surprises us all like and and completely snaps back right away, but I definitely wouldn't count on it and that does kind of suck. And I'm I'm glad to see that they're at least trying to give him a couple weeks to to get going and I I don't know that that's even then going to be sufficient, but we're going to need to be patient because if he comes in and is absolutely terrible right out of the get-go, um, I don't know what their options are as far as, yeah, you can't really send him down and have him continue to work on stuff. You kind of just have to let him play through it. Yep. And the way the rest of the offense is going, that might be a hard thing to do. So they right. if he does get off to a slow start it it probably is a painful thing for them and for him and for everybody to go with but I don't see a better option around it right now. Nope.
0: Yeah, that's not necessarily a cheery thought for those of us who are thinking, "Oh, you know, the lineup will look a lot better once Urius is back." You know, he he's a key cog in that lineup. It, it looks a little thin when he's not in there. All of that. But I think Paul's point that this offensive environment and and maybe this baseball that they're physically playing with may not be the best for Urias, who needed a lot of those home runs to derive uh, a lot of his offensive value last year. And if he's hitting 13 home runs instead of 23, he looks a lot more like a light hitting second baseman and less like a third baseman. Right. And that's an issue uh, for the Brewers going up and down. So. Ooh, that's kind of a scary thought hopefully it doesn't get to that but um maybe something the brewers need to start thinking about now well and uh, i think and that's
1: probably uh, why they're being very patient with him and hoping yeah i think try to manage expectations on this and be like no we're gonna take this very slow and let him come back at his own pace when we're all just kind of hungry for something to, sh- to shake up the offense and maybe inject some life into it well If he's not ready to do that, if he's not right, then that's not what's going to happen and it's actually going to just make things worse. So we have to be patient on that.
0: All right. Next Patreon question comes from Mark Pod Scarby, asking: Victor Caratini seems to have gotten off to a good start with the crew. When Pedro Severino's suspension ends, what do you expect to happen? Assuming all three catchers are healthy, does Caratini get optioned, or do they outright release Severino since he's ineligible for the playoffs? And I think that's an underrated point that maybe flew under the radar when he got suspended for PEDs. Uh, that's uh, one of the newer aspects of that drug policy, anybody who tests positive, automatically ineligible for the playoffs, which for a team like the Brewers kind of uh, stunts his usefulness. Right, Paul?
2: Yep, uh, exactly true. And it is a big part of that. Um, I I suspect, and it's just a guess, that as long as Caratini is playing okay, and he's not going to keep playing like he is right now, but um, that they probably are happy to have Severino um, getting work done down in the minors in case an injury pops up um, calling on him when needed occasionally to help them make the playoffs. But I don't think that they can really afford to go with just him because they'll need somebody in the playoffs. You can't just go with one catcher. You can't. Um, And um, he kind of has screwed himself out of, I think a, a good shot, you know, some, some big league time this year by getting caught. Um, they're not going to be any, in any hurry to push him. Uh, I mean, he's still an economic investment, and so it's not like they will necessarily give up on him, though this this kind of thing does weigh into whether they'll trust you long-term or not. Um, but uh, I do think he's put himself in a position where he is more likely to be the third guy going forward, if that even, and um, he, he screwed himself. So that's uh, th- that's kind of what I would predict for them going forward. Yeah, and I think the options here...
1: Probably make this even tougher to keep him around. I think uh, Pedro Severino might just be gone. They'll. I think that's possible too, though, because they don't have an option on him. They do have options on Caratini, and I guess the the cynical play for them would be to send Caratini down at least until rosters expand in September, or depending on if there's injuries or whatever. uh, That would be the cynical play to keep Severino around so that you maintain that depth uh, when he does come back and then to have Caratini stay on the roster, but that would suck for Caratini and that would be really unfair to him. Yep. But it, it is like what the roster setup says the play would be, would be to send Victor Caratini down and let Pedro Severino stay. And that's, that just sucks.
0: I mean, here's the thing. Pedro Severino is not the type of player (laughs) or good enough, I guess, to maybe get away with uh, the roster manipulation needed to keep him. He's, He's not worth that hassle to me, at least, especially, you know, with Caratini playing well. He seems to be framing well. The pitchers seem to be doing well with him and seem to enjoy throwing to him. Um, I'd just be careful to kind of disrupt that kind of chemistry that's been building, and you know he that he's on a what less than two million dollar contract. It it costs almost nothing to just DFA him and wash your hands of him after this, right? Like I think maybe that's where they go as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, it may need to be that way.
0: All right, uh, next question comes from Alex Lamers. I like this one because this is a a person that I was hoping the Brewers would draft. When he was coming up out of college and it just wasn't meant to be but alex's question is how is the man named seth beer not on the brewers what are the chances of this happening someday if for no other reason than the merchandising opportunities uh ryan i i know you kind of knew seth beer too as being you know the draft nick that you are uh how, how did this not happen and and will it ever happen
1: well, I mean, it didn't happen because I don't think the Brewers picked until after he had already been drafted. I'd have to double check that right. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty but, sure you're right.
1: Yeah. So, and then when he got traded, he was part of the Zach Grinky trade from uh Arizona when Grinky moved from Arizona to Houston. That was Beer was part of the return that Arizona got back for him. So, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like Riley Pint would have been a, a great brewer to have, though. He's also, well, he's had a, a terrible big league career because turned out that uh, he just, you know, was one of those high school kids who threw really, really hard and that uh, didn't have a long term staying ability. So, but yeah, the, the names, uh, it, it, those two definitely would have fit perfectly within the uh, Brewers Marketing Department's uh, wish list, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Could you imagine just all the sponsorship, sponsorship opportunities, or even like when he was in college, poor guy missed out on so many NIL deals. Um, mm, you know, he, he really could have been just did. rolling yeah. in, the, well, <laughs> in college because those deals seem to be a, a little less uh, uh, picky on on appearances. So uh, he, he could have made a killing down there in, in college uh, with that, especially, you know. Knowing, I, I don't know. what what would he sponsor in college? Like something really cheap, or, or or something good? I guess whoever pays him the most
1: in college, something cheap. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Nattie Keystone Light, Light with, yeah, Natty Light or Keystone Light with Seth beer. <laughs> Oh, man, that's that's good. But yeah, I, I'm still rooting for it to happen someday. You know, maybe once he's a post hype prospect and and trying to hang on as a platoon first baseman, that's more the Brewers jam. Right. So uh, maybe we'll see him then. All right. One more. Actually, a couple more Patreon questions. This one comes from Nick H. Asking about our favorite topic, Paul, is it just me or does Yelly appear timid or on edge while he's on, in the box? It looks to me like he's not comfortable at ease at all when at the plate. Maybe I'm alone in this observation. I don't think you are, Nick, but I'm curious if any of you have compared his stance pre-pitch approach at the plate to the time when he was a baseball god at times i think back on a fortune cookie i once opened that said quote a relaxed mind is a creative mind and i carry with that that with me to my day (laughs) uh in my mind not in my pocket he clarifies so paul uh you are our yelly guru your thoughts on that
2: i think he does look uncomfortable all the time he looks like a tall man with a bad back and he um if you go and compare stances of his mvp seasons to now I think the biggest change I notice is his shoulders shrug just a little bit. They're a little, high, they're a little closer to his chin. Um, like, if you imagine yourself outside being very, very cold and you kind of hunch your shoulders up to try and stay a little warmer, he's always a little bit like that. And he didn't he always used to be. He's always very loose. He always got good arm extension. And now he's he looks much more compact right until the pitch is delivered when he does kind of loosen up and get into his normal Yelich uh, stance. But um, he looks like an older he looks like an old man. Like he, he plays like Lorenzo Kane walks when he's not running down balls. And that's not a way you want to be. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. And I think part of it's psychological and part of it is just age. Um, you know, we know he's had back issues. Um, we, we know that, you know, he has had the knee issue. Obviously none of those are good and they all affect, uh, how you stand when you're relaxed and it's, it's different. It's not as good. So I never thought he looked all that, I guess,
1: I don't want to see he looked uncomfortable. I don't think he ever looked that smooth and non-awkward. I always thought he looked awkward in the box cuz he's a lanky guy and, Yeah, he's a tall wiry
0: dude. Yeah, so, yeah, and
1: he is and his swing is, you know, not like the the picture perfect like what you would teach people to swing obviously. Like that's none of it looks quite exactly like what you'd expect it to. So I don't know. I this one I feel like it's very easy to like retrofit this onto what he is now i'd need to i guess go back and watch more video of of what he was like back then but i never thought he looked very smooth in the box i always thought he was just kind of a gangly Like he wasn't he's no hunter pence out there but i always thought he was just kind of like a, <laughs> yeah, a, a yeah. gangly guy and that's you know that's fine like there are guys like that
0: yeah, I don't know how many of you caught the Sunday night broadcast, but there was like a little segment where Eduardo Perez was in the batting cage with Kristen Yelich kind of talking about his approach and and how things have been different. And I admittedly didn't catch all of that, but also uh, wasn't too insightful in, in terms of, of yeah. what he was trying to do. Basically, his attitude was, I'm just going to go in there and try to hit it as hard as possible and what happens happens. And I, I don't know if that's working. Uh, but uh, as we mentioned, you know, he, he, things have been maybe looking a little bit better here or there for him this year. You know, obviously, the, he's still hitting it hard like he normally did or, or where he was before. It's just that that launch angle, again, is the issue. Uh, stop hitting it on the ground, Christian. Uh, seem to be trying to do that a little bit better in Philadelphia. So we'll see if if that continues. But. Uh, definitely something to look out for
2: (laughs) needs to try harder enter tonight at 3.4 for the launch angle that's uh that's not not gonna get it done
0: that's uh barely an angle i i was never good at math but 3.4 seems like barely off the ground to me paul
2: you're you're not wrong james that is great (laughs) there we go
0: there we go all right uh one last patreon question this one comes from pj wessels uh talking about the brewer's wonky schedule in the next week so sunday night they're in philadelphia monday uh they're playing the giants and then tuesday they're playing the pittsburgh pirates three games in three different cities which pj says sounds rough so he's asking do the brewers win more than one game of sunday monday or tuesday well good news is they got one in the books so we we waited (laughs) long enough to get that one down um i don't know i i feel like you know well the pirates stink as we saw in the last week so i feel pretty good about Two out of three, Paul. How
2: about you? Yeah, totally. I'm I'm done with that. We got the Monty Hall problem here. I got one out of the way already. So yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll they should be able to pull that off. It's it is grueling, but um, that's fine. They just need to pitch well and, and hit one out and they'll be fine. So they'll be fine. Well, they have a
1: lot of things going for them in this too. One, they the most important thing is they already booked the one win. So that's yep, massive. That's it. But then also you have your best pitcher and like literally one of the best pitchers in baseball going tomorrow for the Brewers. And he went back. I heard this on the radio broadcast. I was listening to and I was walking around on the lakefront on uh, on Saturday afternoon down in Chicago. Uh, They're going to send him back. They already sent him back. So Burns is sleeping in his bed in Milwaukee tonight and will be pitching, you know, fully rested and whatever. So he's coming in that way. And the Giants are not a great team. They're not a bad team, but they're they're not a great team. Uh, and so, they have that going for them. And then the third game, you also have a very very good pitcher going in Brandon Woodruff, and it's the Pirates. So yeah, and none of these are long flights either. It's not like these guys are are doing a three and a half hour like cross country trek here, like going down to Arizona. Uh, Philadelphia to Milwaukee was like an hour and thirty minutes when I did it last summer and the the flight back to pittsburgh is even shorter than that so i i wonder what if they even will like travel they'll probably travel out on tuesday morning right like they won't fly out they'll, they'll sleep in their own beds on tuesday night and then they'll fly on or sorry on monday night and then they'll fly on on tuesday morning would be my guess so yeah. like okay. I Yeah, I don't think that this is too bad of a thing. And also, this is probably something that in the middle of the season would be a lot much more of a pain in the ass. They're still (laughs) all relatively fresh at this point. You know, we're only a couple weeks into the season. Like, you can kind of just roll with stuff. And yes, these guys are creatures of habit and like to have their, their travel routines all down. But they're also used to just having their routines thrown off and and having to adapt along the way and just do something a little bit weird and a little bit different. So whatever, it's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, and you know remember too like this is weird for the giants as well <laughs> you know they're making a pit stop in milwaukee in the middle of their yep, travels as well and they are just coming off a, a series against the the mets in the last uh, few days here where the mets actually look really really good that's going to be something interesting to watch too uh they pretty much outclassed the giants in that series from what i could tell uh but yeah, a slow start ish for the Giants, which I think, you know, some of us were kind of expecting or wondering how how good they were compared to their uh, outperformance of their projections last year. And, you know, one game, anything could happen. Like you guys said, Corbin's there. He's ready. What will probably even stay in Pennsylvania? I would imagine <laughs> and just head straight to Pittsburgh because he's not going to be needed for the next day or so. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't want to say, oh, yeah, they, they'll win all three, yeah. but they could. You know, weirder things have happened and they seem to be, you know, having some pretty good vibes right now, even though the bats aren't exactly where they want to be. Um, you know, they're 10 and 6 and it's hard to complain with that <laughs> this early in the season. They're, they're banking the wins early. So uh, we'll see how the next week plays out. But this has definitely been a, a very successful week on the Brewers front. Um, that'll do it for the Patreon questions this week. A reminder, you get that question priority when you sign up for two bucks a month at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. You also get a shout out here on the podcast when you join us as a new patron. Ryan, who do we have this week?
1: Oh, let's see. We do have three new patrons. Well, actually we have two new patrons and then we also have a, uh, an increase. So, uh, Bill Rabby or Rabe Rabby probably welcome to the uh, the five dollar tier you've upgraded so now you get the minor league extra and paul's uh, preview mini pods every week so uh you got that and then welcome new to steven anderson and jared b
0: nice well thanks to all three of you for for helping support us out here uh especially the new patrons there again patreon.com slash mke tailgate And uh, we would also appreciate it, even if you're not a patron or even if you are and you just haven't done this yet, if you would go to your phone, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. And as we uh, learned last week, Paul will read literally anything as long as it's a five star review, of course, with some conditions applied because lawyers will be lawyers. But um, (laughs) Paul, do we have any new reviews to read this week?
2: We got two. two uh, new ones awesome we're we're starting to develop some lore so we'll start with badger 80 who says shenanigans matlab we know you're actually brad ford stop posting lengthy podcast (laughs) reviews put down your phone and take care of your child during your paternity leave (laughs) that's that's great so uh indeed yeah badger
1: 80 you know who badger 80 is uh no That's, that's, that's
2: steve it's Steve. Okay. Yeah, that's his, that's his old
1: screen name from the uh, JS Thanks. Four Steve. days. <laughs> He's out here defending his honor from uh, the, uh, the the things that were said about him last week.
2: That's how deep this goes. I'll read a five-star review, even if you're Steve. <laughs> and I guess the one legitimate one we have. <laughs> Pro- from J. Sw- J. Swans, I assume that's supposed to be Schwanz. Nobody's Swans, right? That's not a name. It's it's always hey, sh- whatever. Hook. All right. Um, Fantastic Brewers Pod. Absolutely love this podcast and cannot recommend it enough. With that being said, only complaint is that is the fact that Paul and now Ryan uh, question mark exclamation point cannot pronounce. <laughs> I, I'm going to do it the wrong way on purpose. Uh, a- Aguiar and Kniebel correctly. <laughs> Aguiar is pronounced Aguilar. Canibal is pronounced Canable. I, I refuse to say canable. I don't care. <laughs> um, you are right on, on, on Jesus, Aguilar, though. That is true. Um, yep. I hope this helps. In Council and Sterns, we trust.
1: <laughs>
2: Very that nice. is, that's what we got. I appreciate that, and of course, you know the running
0: joke on on I guess this pod and the reporting is eligible one is Paul doesn't listen to audio of games, so he doesn't know how anybody's name is pronounced. He just reads things, right? Nope,
2: that is correct. That is one hundred percent true. I don't have announcers on ever, and uh, so it, I, if I hear them on like sports talk radio, which I also don't really listen to, <laughs> that's kind. That's kind of it. That's all I got, um, and uh, that's rare. Uh, I, the only reason I ever know how to pronounce anybody's. Name is this podcast, or effectively wild? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, with that in mind, I'm hoping the Packers just pick some really out there names in, in the draft. You know, we need some more equanimous or, or what have you. Uh, yeah. just, just to hear Paul P- Paul say those names. Just trying but... to think of
2: the 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 likely Packer ones. I don't think any are too I, bad I don't know. actually. Carl
0: Loftus, maybe, but George Carl not...
2: It just that's easy. Yeah, the Greek yeah. freak. Exactly. Yeah, the only Greek
0: freak um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but you know no yannick and gawk or anything like that that so. is a fun
2: one uh, that's one of the best parts of reporting as eligible is jr telling me how to pronounce things <laughs> it's <laughs> very
0: very underrated i'm looking forward to yeah. that returning uh so thanks for the review guys um even steve i guess uh you know they're all legitimate reviews in the eyes of apple paul don't don't delegitimize Absolutely. anybody. Yep. Uh, so any five star review, Paul, <laughs> will read that. Uh, we deeply appreciate it. It Helps us, you know, in the algorithm world and, and you know, however that works. I'm, I'm not really sure, but uh, it does help us out. Gets gets us out to to more brewers fans like you to help uh, joining on the conversation every week. And you know this this podcast always goes a lot better when we have great questions to work with. We had a lot of good ones this week. Um, And, hey, while you're there on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and uh, you'll be sure that you don't miss a single episode of this podcast. You get that push alert whenever we post it. Uh, Same applies for Spotify or Pocket Casts or wherever else you get those podcasts. Hit that subscribe button or or mash it, as as Steve would say, I guess. Uh, Mash subscribe? Is that what the kids say? I don't know. I'm old and and bald, and I'm out of the, the loop now, so I don't know. Unlike Steve,
2: who is young and spry and knows. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Maybe we would need a Milwaukee's tailgate TikTok to really bring in the, the, the young viewership.
2: <laughs>
1: Somebody else gets to run that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Me. All right. All right. Well, this has been a good one. Uh, good week for the Brewers. Good to be back on this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back here next week to talk about the next week in Brewers baseball here on Milwaukee's tailgate. <laughs>